Good morning. Welcome, welcome. I'm grateful you're here. I'm going to ask you to turn to Joshua chapter 1, if you would. We're going to jump right in. I told you last week that this week and next week I'm actually going to be giving some sense of vision for our church as we're moving forward into 2021. That will soon be upon us. So I want to be able to have sufficient time to get to all of it. So Joshua chapter 1, if you'd follow along, if you don't have a Bible, it will actually be presented for you up on the screen. Joshua 1.1 After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all of the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of a good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. And may God add his blessings to the reading of his word. Um, Have you noticed that it seems like somehow 2020 has caused the world to go crazy? Have you noticed that? It's just been uh, unbelievable. I was thinking about it this week. For the first time that I can remember in my life, we're going into stores carrying our bags ahead of time with nothing in them. And then, if you don't remember your bags, you come out of the store without a bag, and no one stops you. I mean, you care. I was in Walmart the other day, and I was buying some computer things, which were expensive. They're not cheap. And I'm walking out of Walmart without a bag, holding these things in my hands. I'm thinking, how do they even know that I paid for them? Just walking out of the store. Or... Um, we, we now have to, I go to the bank to uh, get uh, some business done there every week. I go into the bank and you wear masks going into banks now. I mean, who would have ever thought this? It's, just, it's a crazy time. Um, we're told that we have to maintain six feet for safe distancing and that's what it is. Although now some people say that if you're actually projecting your words, if you're singing or if you're yelling, it, it's more like 12 feet. But either way, bare minimum six feet. But then I watched as protesters, as rioters, uh, even as political rallies gathered and people were massing across the front and I guarantee there wasn't inches apart from them. It's just been a crazy year. Um, The other thing I was talking to uh, Brother Josh about uh, just recently is it seems like no matter who you are, somebody in 2020 demonizes somebody else. If you're one of those people who wear masks and you think masks are the best thing for you and you wear it, then somebody else is going to say you're a coward for not wearing masks. And then somebody else is going to say, no, you're a coward for wearing masks. It's just like this is a year in which there is no winning and people are demonizing people around them. They're calling them all kinds of names. It's just been a crazy year. And I believe that if we're not careful, it's easy to fall into the trap of being distracted by all the stuff that's going on around us in the world. So, my question to you this morning is, where is God in all of this? 
And I want to suggest to you that from the beginning, you need to realize that unlike us, God is never a reactor. We tend to react to the situation around us. God's not a reactor. God's an initiator. God's a creator. God doesn't sit like us and when somebody says something, we react inside and we come back stronger. No, God's not like that. God always has a plan and He always works His plan. And what we do doesn't stop His plan one iota. Uh, I believe that everything that's going on is the enemy's attempt to distract us from God's purposes and what God is doing in the world, even in 2020. We have a saying that goes something like this. We, we can't see the forest for the trees. You, you guys have heard that, right? What that generally means is we have to step back in order to get the bigger picture. Otherwise, you become myopic in your vision. And so my question to you today is, what is God's bigger picture for planet Earth? What is God's bigger picture for the United States of America and for Wyoming County and for our general region with all of the towns and villages and hamlets that it comprises? Um, I believe that in our text, the nation of Israel was about to step into their big picture. They were about to enter into the destiny that God had promised them and they had waited for over 600 years going back to the time when God promised Abraham that he was going to take Abraham into a land and later on God embellished that promise and said it would be a land flowing with milk and honey. A land of richness, of overflowingness to it. And one of the principles that I want you to get this morning that I think is an important principle, it's this. The bigger the plan, the longer the wait. The bigger the purpose of God, the longer the preparation time. Now, we, we dedicated a baby today. And you know that when God, in His grace, allows a woman to be pregnant, she buries within her this amazing life inside of her own body. And she carries that with her for approximately nine months. And then there comes the day in which that baby is going to be delivered and out comes this six pound or seven pound or eight pound or 12 pound baby, whatever it is, out comes this baby that you now look at and you say, it was worth all of the waiting. It was worth the pain, the discomfort. It was worth all of it. And I, I got to say, ladies, aren't you grateful that you're not elephants today? An elephant carries their baby for two years. And when they give delivering that baby, that baby elephant weighs 200 pounds. You see, the bigger the delivery, the longer the wait. And what I've said to you is, the bigger the purpose of God, the longer the wait that we have for it. Um, think about this. Uh, from the very beginning, God comes in the garden. He, he creates everything that is. creates Adam and Eve. And then Adam and Eve fall and they sin before God and what they need is a Savior. So that's all in chapter 3. And you would think then in chapter 4 along would come a Savior. But no, there, there's no Savior in chapter 4. They thought they needed better fig leaves. They needed privacy, but that's not what they needed. They needed a Savior. But no Savior in chapter 4. No Savior the next week. No Savior the next year. No Savior the next decade. No Savior for 4,000 years. Why? 
because the bigger the purpose of God, the longer the wait. So, our text starts off by saying this. Moses, my servant, is dead. And my first point is this. In order to step in, there must first be a stepping out. In order to step into the greater purpose of God for your life, you have to be willing to step out of some old patterns and some old ways of doing things. Um, Moses here represented their past, the way it used to be, and dare I say, the way they liked it better. They knew Moses. They knew what Moses could do, and they wanted their Moses. Um, How many of you here today uh, remember back to the days when we actually used to sing hymns? I mean, the hymns were great, weren't they? I mean, they, they had deep theology, and we knew the words, and the tune was easy to sing to. And then along came, um, and maybe there were other things that came in between, but for me, the first thing I can remember was Scripture and song. Do you guys remember Scripture and song? We would actually take Scripture and put it to music. And that was a challenge, but we did it. And then along came Hosanna. Hosanna music. It was like cutting edge at the time. And then we got to Vineyard. And then from Vineyard, we went to Hillsong. And Yet, so often, we believe that what used to be is better than what is and what God is doing in this generation. But the problem is, in order to step into something new in God, there has to be a stepping out of that which was old, that which was familiar, that which we even preferred. There has to be a new thing in us. And sometimes, we keep such a grasp on the past that it actually handcuffs from us from entering into the future that God has for us. Now, please understand, Moses was loved, Moses was appreciated, Moses was respected. Moses was necessary in his generation. Moses was the great deliverer that God had for rescuing his people from slavery in Egypt. But God had a new blueprint for his people, and Moses was not the man to bring them into that new place. So often when things change, it it feels a bit uncertain and shaky. And we want to go back to the good old days. You know, know, the days I can remember at one point, I can remember kneeling right over there. And I can remember kneeling there. no, No, I won't even go there. I can remember right about the place where Jack is sitting. Right about there. I can remember God coming in so much power that I crawled under the pew that used to be there. And there are times in my life when things are going hard, when I walk the sanctuary and I pray and I worship, and I will sometimes go right back to that same place. And I'll say, God, you met with me here. Would you meet with me here again? See, we want to go back to the good old days. We want to go back to that which we're familiar with. I can remember when we got rid of our old carpet. How many of you guys remember our old carpet? What color was it anyways? I don't even remember. Was it maroon? Blue. Are you sure? Blue. Okay. It was blue. But I can remember when we got rid of the blue carpet, there were people who wanted that piece of carpet right there because they met with God right there. See, we love to lay hold of that which was familiar to us, that which is going. But the problem is, God's moving on. The wind is blowing, and we want to stay right back there where we used to be. And, And it's kind of like when you drive down the road, every once in a while it's good to look in your rearview mirror. 
It's good to see what was. I love what God did in us in his church. I love the fact that God met with us. And I can remember many, many Sundays when we would all just sit and wait on God. We couldn't even hardly function because his presence was so powerful. I love that. And it's good to look in your rearview mirror and to get a glance back and to appreciate what was. But you don't want to spend all your time looking in your rearview mirror. There's times when you better be looking through your windshield. And that's why we have a bigger windshield than a rearview mirror. Because we should spend more time looking ahead than looking back. And our problem is we like to lay hold of the past. And I want to suggest to you that although yesterday was good, yesterday is never as good as tomorrow. And today is preparation for tomorrow. Yesterday was good, but it's never as good as what God has in mind for us tomorrow. And today is preparation for that. As great as Moses was, dragging his dead body around the desert wasn't going to get them anywhere. It was time for them to move on. It's possible that 2020 has been a year that uh, you never anticipated. Maybe life has been tough for you. Maybe like for our family, you've actually had loss. Loved ones have died and you've not been able to do a normal funeral as you would have expected in the past. We all had expectations as we came into 2020 and our expectations were based upon 2019. It was based upon what had been and we anticipated it would be the same and hopefully maybe even a little bit better. But instead, 2020 has been kind of like walking through a minefield. You didn't know if it was ever safe to step there or not. But I want to suggest to you that if we don't move on, if we don't get beyond that mentality of wanting to go back to the old way, if we don't get beyond that, we're going to actually be, become paralyzed and a prisoner of our past. And what I want to suggest to you this morning is that regardless of who sits in the White House or who sits in the State House, this is a new day. And God has committed himself to the salvation of all who are willing. He says, whosoever will. God is still in the saving business. God is still working his plan. And nothing in 2020 has caught God by surprise or caused him to somehow be flummoxed. Like, what do I do? God has a plan for everything that we're going through and where we are at in life. And for me, I recognize there has been promise after promise after promise that God is going to do a new thing in our day that we have never seen before. That God is going to pour out His Spirit upon all flesh. And that there's going to be powerful signs and wonders that are going to happen. You see, I believe that there are still things that we have to do. We have a mission in life. He is a God who calls that which is not as though as it were. So He, he means for us to begin to live that way. That we trust His Word for us. Yesterday's strategies will never win today's battles. I don't know what this next move of God will look like, but I know that it's going to be good. And I know it's going to be better than what we've ever had before. God never does the same thing again. It, look at the life of Jesus. I mean, he healed how many people? But on one occasion, he heals by just speaking a word and saying, you're healed. The next occasion, he touches them. The next occasion, he spits on the ground and makes mud and puts the mud on the eyes and heals them. The next occasion, he actually spits in the eye and heals them. See, God is a God who never changes, but he's always doing a new thing. And we like our formulas. We like our systems so that we feel like things are under control. <coughs> C.S. Lewis wrote a series of books called the Narnia Tales. 
Chronicles of Narnia. And in one of the books, Susan, who is one of the characters, realizes that the main character in the whole story is this person named Aslan. But Aslan isn't a person. Aslan's a lion. And when she finds out he's a lion, she says, is he quite safe? And I love the response. The response is safe? Who said anything about safe? Of course he's not safe. But he's good. And my question to you is, do you believe as we're going through this time period, knowing that we have a new year coming soon, that God is still good? Is God good when you have to wear a mask? Is God good when you have to safe distance? Is God good when things are not the way that they used to be? Have you come to the decision that though He's always changing, always doing a new thing, that He has a plan for it all and that He is good? He delights in surprising us with His glory. So yesterday's strategies worked for yesterday, but they won't work for today or tomorrow. God is calling us to something new for today and for tomorrow. And here in our text, the children of Israel find themselves in that very position. They can no longer keep wandering if they expect to enter into the land that God has for them. And it behooves us to ask, why did God choose Moses in the first place? Why did God choose him out of the millions of people he could have chosen? Why did God choose Moses? Well, in Exodus 3, we know that Moses had a burning bush encounter with God. And then in Exodus 4, God asks Moses a question. The scripture says in Exodus 4 too, that God says, what is that in your hand? And Moses' response was, it's a rod. It's just a stick. And my question to you this morning is, why did Moses have a stick? No, that's a real question. Why did Moses have that rod? Because he was a shepherd. And a shepherd used the rod to guide the sheep, to protect the sheep, to save the sheep. The, Mo, the, the shepherd in Moses constantly needed that rod in order to do that to which he was called. He was a shepherd. His calling at that time was a shepherd. And that's something that's built into the fiber of your being. You can't help that. You can't turn that on and off. You are a shepherd. And that's what Moses was. God knew that the nation of Israel, which had been enslaved for 400 years, and you know that when you're a slave, no one takes care of you. They just care about what they can get out of you, what you can produce. And so God knew that when His people were saved, they would need somebody who would help them, who would take care of them. So He chose a man who was a shepherd. Moses, the great deliverer. And by the way, Moses' response was, it's just the rod, it's a stick. But then God does something to that stick that Moses never anticipated. He told Moses, throw it down. And when he threw it down, it became a snake. And he says, now pick it up by the tail. He picked it up again and it became a rod again. And all of a sudden, Moses realized something in God's hands can be very, very powerful. From that point forward, he never referred to it as a stick or a rod. He called it the rod of God. And the principle is, whatever it is that God has put in your hands, He can use if you will let Him use it. If you will let Him put to use that which He has given to you. So, for 40 years, God used this shepherd to actually lead His people through the wilderness. For 40 years, that man with a stick actually represented the kind of leadership that God knew His people needed. They needed a shepherd. But now, the children of Israel were about to go into a new land where they needed new strategy and they needed new leadership. They needed new skills to accomplish what God had for them. 
So Joshua comes on the scene. We're in Joshua 1. Joshua comes on the scene, and Joshua has something in his hand. But it's not a rod. In Joshua chapter 8, verse 18, it says this, Then the Lord said to Joshua, Stretch out the spear that is in your hand toward Ai, for I will give it into your hand. And Joshua stretched out the spear that was in his hand toward the city. You see, there was a time in which the people needed a shepherd with a rod. But now, they were going to face enemies. In fact, God told them, you're going to face seven fierce nations that you're going to have to overcome in order to get the land that I am giving to you. But I will be with you. So in the past, they needed a shepherd with a rod. Now, they need a warrior with a sword. They needed new leadership. They needed new skills. They needed new strategies because they were about to enter a new day. They needed to exchange that rod for a spear. Now, you need to also remember that Joshua had something of Moses' heart. Joshua spent a lot of time with Moses. Joshua was like Moses' right-hand man. So he knew how much Moses loved these people. He knew that Moses carried these people in his heart to the extent that he was willing to even sacrifice himself on their behalf. And Joshua carried that same heart. He carried a heart for the Lord, spending time in the Lord's presence, but he also carried a heart for the people. He carried Moses' heart. But he also carried something different. He carried a sword. Now, remember, God is the one who says, Moses, my servant, is dead. It was God's plan that Moses not be a part of this next season in the life of his people. Joshua 1, 2. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise. So the first one was, in order to step in, there has to be a stepping out. Number two, there has to be a rising up. Rising up means to get up, to stir up, to rouse up, to get ready to accomplish, to strengthen that which needs to be strengthened. It's a word picture that says, I'm not willing for us to get stuck in a rut. I am not willing for us to stay where we are. It's time for us to move forward. I'm not satisfied with hearing stories about the good old days anymore. I want us to have some good old days for ourselves today. I'm tired of hearing about the revivals of the past. I want God to do something in my generation. I want to be able to experience His presence. And the truth is, we are the hope of the world. We are the light of the world, is what Jesus said. Arising has everything to do with us committing ourselves to the mission that God has for us. And that mission is to go into all of the world. There are people in Warsaw. There are people in Wyoming, in Pavilion, in Perry, in Attica, in Arcade, in all of the surrounding. There are people there that need to be saved. Do you know somebody that needs to get saved? Maybe somebody you work with. Maybe somebody in your family. There are people who need to get saved. There are people who need to get healed, who need to get delivered from addictions and from other issues in their lives. That's our mission. Our mission isn't to complain about masks. Our issue is not to complain about safe distancing or anything else. Our mission is very clear. It's to go into all the world and to preach the Gospel, teaching them all things that God has commanded. Our mission is to be God's hands seeing people get saved, seeing people get healed, seeing people get delivered. The two most important times in people's lives are the day they're born and the day they discover why they were born. And my question to you is, are you a part of God's mission for His world? It's His world, not ours. Are you part of that mission? 
Number one, there's got to be a stepping out in order to have a stepping in. Number two, it's time for us to arise to our destiny. And number three, he says, now therefore arise and go over this Jordan. The third thing is the Jordan River represents for them the barrier between what was and what is. What was where they were and where they're going. The season has changed. In fact, Joshua 3.15 says that at that time of the year, at that season of the year, the Jordan was at flood stage. In other words, it was a raging river that could not be passed over. The season had changed. Moses had died. A new leader is now on hand in Joshua. And God has told them to arise. But now the first thing that happens is they face this major obstacle right in front of them, the flooding Jordan River. And one of the principles I want you to get is this. His promises to you always require obstacles to be overcome. It never comes cheap. It never comes easy. There's always something that you have to be willing to confront and deal with both internally and externally. There's always obstacles to overcome. Uh, I've mentioned that there were enemies on the other side of the Jordan. Now, these enemies, these seven fierce tribes, is how God describes them, they were on the other side of the Jordan. They were on the west side of the Jordan. And so, here you have between the children of Israel and those enemies, you have a river. And those enemies felt pretty safe. Because they knew that any foe that came against them would have to cross the Jordan River. And when they finally got across the Jordan River, they'd be so exhausted, they would have no fight left in them. So they felt like they were pretty safe. And to add to the challenge, it wasn't that God was saying to Joshua, I want you and a select group of seals to go across. No, He's saying, you and all of the people. About 3 million people had to cross that river in order to get to the other side and to face what God had for them. God says all of them, all of them, not some of them, all of them were to cross. And every time God brings us into a new season, there are challenges that you're going to face. And let's be clear, the will of God was for every one of them to cross over. But just like happened for them, so it happens today. There are always some who choose not to who get caught up in peripheral things, who get caught up in what's going on around them instead of remembering the mission of God and following the mission of God. In Joshua's time, there were two and a half, remember, this is 12 tribes of Israel, but there were two and a half tribes who said, you know, I want to stay back in the good old days. I want to stay back on the east side of the river. We kind of like what we have here. Everything is kind of safe. You can find out about that in Numbers 32, but... In Numbers 32, these two and a half tribes come to Moses or come to Joshua and say, we don't want to go across. We like it the way it used to be. We, we like it when we didn't have to wear masks anymore to go in the source. We like it when we didn't have to do anything the government told us to do because we're free people. We like that. So we're going to stay right back here where it's comfortable. You guys can do what you want. But the irony is this, those two and a half tribes, history teaches us that from that point on, they constantly had troubles and constantly were defeated by enemies because they chose to stay alone instead of going with the rest of the group, following the mission of God. The other thing that was interesting is when you come to Mark chapter 5, so now we've moved away from the Old Testament up into the New Testament. In Mark chapter 5, the scripture says that Jesus got in a boat and went across the Jordan River from the, east, or from the west side to the east side. And when he got to the east side, it says he was immediately confronted with somebody who was controlled by demons. He's called the demonic person of the Gadarenes. 
the demoniac. The Gadarenes were on the other side of the Jordan, the side that all of that two and a half tribe wanted to stay with. It had become so bad that it had become a place controlled by demons. And it took a Savior coming on the scenes to set that man free and to begin to set the people free. But what happens is when we choose to stay back instead of moving forward, we open ourselves to the oppressions of the enemy. So this morning, I want to just kind of lay out as a, a, a kind of an opening thing leading into next week that God's taking us into a new day. And in order for us to get there, this new blueprint that he has for us, in order for us to get there, we have to leave some things behind. We have to be willing to step out in order to step in. There has to be something in us that rises up to say, I'm on board. I'm a part of this mission. And then finally, we have to recognize there's going to be obstacles to face. But God has a plan even for those obstacles in our lives, both those things inside of us and those things outside of us. So as I draw this to a close, I want to just say to you, I want to be clear that as for me, I can't speak for all of you, but I'm telling you as for me, and as for this church as a philosophy, as an approach, as for the young and the old, the grandparents and the grandchildren, I want us to go over. I don't want us to stay where we're at. I want us to cross the Jordan. I want us to face the obstacles, but to walk into that good thing that God has for us. We are going to contend for that promise of God's destiny for us. Now, there are all kinds of distractions around us that could keep us in bondage, keep us handicapped, because we put all of our focus on that stuff instead of keeping our focus on the gospel of the kingdom of God. And that's what we're about as a people. We're not going to get caught up in all of that peripheral stuff. I'm not saying you don't have opinions about it, and I honor your opinions. I truly do. I'm just saying that as a church, that's not what I'm going to preach. That's not what we're going to do. We're going to focus on seeing people get saved, seeing people get delivered, seeing people get healed, because that's God's mission for us. And he said he would then pour out his spirit upon us. All kinds of things could depress us, could discourage us, but we're going to set our face like flint and we're going to follow the mission that God has for us. Regardless of what's happening on that side of the Jordan, we're crossing over. And that's kind of what Moses said to God. In Exodus 33, God says to Moses, okay, I'm not going to go with you because of some things the people had done. They had begun to rebel. They had begun to go backwards, wanted to stay back that side. And so God says to Moses, I'm not going to go with you, but I will send my angel. And Moses says, if you don't go with us, we're not going over. We're not going anywhere. We, we honor our past. We honor what God has done in our past. But we're going over to the new day. Would you stand with me? And next week, I will give it a lot more clarity, and so you'll understand what I mean. I wanted to lay this as our foundation. In fact, if you want, you could read Joshua 1, 2, 3, up to chapter 6. That would be good preparation for you. Okay? Father, I thank you for today and for the new day that you have for us. And Father, I know for myself, I refuse to just stay back on that side and say that's where it was comfortable, that's where it was easy, that's where I liked it, that's my preference. Father, I believe there's nothing that has happened on planet Earth that has caught you by surprise. There's nothing about these masks that disturb you at all. There's nothing about anything that's going on that has somehow shaken your hold over the kingdoms of this world. And you have a mission for us. And Father, I want to walk in it, and I want us as a church to walk in it as well. 
So we pray, God, that you would give us the grace to rise up and to face the obstacles, but to do it knowing that you're with us. I pray it in the name of Christ. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, the ushers are going to come back in and release you. And I do want to remind you that anytime you're moving about the building, whether it's to get your kids or anywhere else, that the health department has mandated that we wear masks. So I'm going to ask that you would honor that, that you would wear masks in order to keep everybody else safe. Okay? Thank you.